0: Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 9 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled, Jesus' Final Week. Our teacher is Alan Smith. In this teaching, as we've been doing uh, in the days of Noah, I've introduced you to the idea of Matthew 22, and, uh, and then in this idea of Matthew 22, the uh, the uh, three invitations, 10 As in the days of Noah with the three invitation, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now that is the verse we've been using. As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. That verse, we're going to get in today just a little bit of the context of when this verse was used. Now, we have, a, uh, we have a, an idea of how it's used, but today I hope to take us a little deeper into the understanding of why it was used. Um, now, Jesus uh, was aware that the Pharisees were plotting to kill Him. As He spoke in parables, I've taught you that after Matthew 10, uh, Jesus started speaking to the multitude in parables. They accused Him of having the power of the devil. And he says, well, if that's the way you want to be about it, I'll just start speaking in parables. The parables he taught in the days leading up to his crucifixion needed no interpretation for his enemies to know he was prophesying judgment against them. Now, if you'll notice it, this is one of the parables that was written before his crucifixion. Now, today is uh, Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the Sunday a week before the resurrection so we start seeing that this is a week of a lot of activity in the scriptures I want us to put this Matthew 22 in perspective of this week today is Palm Sunday it's starting this week before uh, the resurrection of Christ a week we celebrate a week from the day which we call Easter so we've got, uh, technically we got eight days. But we've got a week of activity from Palm Sunday until the resurrection. A week of tremendous activity. A lot of this New Testament is speaking about that week of, of time. So keep that in mind as we uh, move forward. Uh, and Jesus spoke in parables after Matthew 10. Now, we went over, and I've taught you the marriage feast of Matthew 22. And this illustrates Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the wrath and judgment of God that would come upon Israel. So we see that this uh, uh, three invitations, I called it, of Matthew 22, uh, the first two invitations, as I've taught you in the last two weeks, the first two invitations were rejected. There's three invitations in that parable. First two. Uh, were rejected. Now, we see that this parable is a parable. is part of a series of parables, and we'll look at that if we have time this morning. A series of parables whose theme is a warning of God's judgment that would soon fall on religious rulers of Israel and the nation of their rejection of Jesus. So in this parable of Matthew 22, we rejoice because we know we are the people of the third invitation. But the two rejected invitations. Uh, The first two invitations that were rejected would be the main purpose of of this parable, I guess you could say. It's more about the rejection of Israel of the invitations than it is the third invitation, even though we rejoice in the third invitation. Now, so we went over the Matthew 22 of uh, of the marriage feast. I've taught you that there's three invitations. In Matthew 22. First one's to Israel. I spoke to you about how John the Baptist and Jesus uh, gave that first invitation. Uh, the second invitation was to Israel. That was given by the 12 disciples. And you all know that all but one had a very um, a martyrdom end to their life. So it was totally basically rejected. Of course, there was a remnant of believers all the way throughout. But for the most part, it was rejected. Then the third invitation is that they're again back to the earth. And I taught you that uh, pre-Abraham, God was speaking to the earth. Then he rose, had the nation Israel. Now the nation Israel has been set aside. So God is now dealing with the whole earth again, not just through the nation Israel, because they have been set aside. And this is uh, as in the days of Noah. So when we see this scripture, and we're going to read it hopefully, even this morning, in the context that that Scripture was given, as in the days of Noah. And so we start understanding, as in the days of Noah, uh, Jesus said that, but He was also speaking at a time, uh, kind of a hidden mystery, I guess you could say, is Jesus knew that Israel was going to be set aside. And so He compares it as unto the days of Noah, not only in the lifestyle of people, but also in how God deals with man. And that's very, very important. Now, the wedding is ready, but the original guest rejected it after being invited twice. We went over that the last two weeks. And it's Matthew 22, 8 9. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. That was the first two invitations that we know that Israel rejected. Then we get into the third invitation. He says, all right, the wedding's are ready, the third the invitation we, was a secret. Now, part of that secret is that Democrat and Republicans both can be there. That's part of the revelation of the secret. Probably not many, but a few perhaps. Now, with this uh, uh, third invitation, it's important that we understand that that third invitation was kind of a secret, but you've got to get it in its right context is because God starts dealing with the whole world again. First two invitations rejected, so God says, okay, I'm going to set you aside. Israel, you have rejected it. Now I'm going to go to the world. And so you see the third invitation is going to the highways and the hedges and compel everybody in, uh, good and bad, it says. So we're in this secret time. This time was not prophesied about. Now this is important. The mystery of the church, the secret wedding guest. So at the third invitation, you got this wedding invitation goes out. We read the scripture last week. You go out in the highways and the hedges. You can compel them all to come in, both bad and good. It's called the third invitation. But we see that the third invitation is what we call a secret bunch of wedding guests. When you go out into the highways and the hedges and say, well, just everybody come on. Just come on. We're going to have a. A party here. Well, that was a secret there again, not prophesied about. And it's Matthew 22. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, there's a people called to go therefore into the highways. You see that? Keep that in mind as we move forward. Now, where is is the bride at the wedding. So here we got this this wedding, third invitation. All of these guests come. But the guests are coming to a wedding. So you say, okay, if we're the invited guest, where's the bride? Right? That's a good point. Well, if we're invited to the wedding, that means we're a spectator are not the bride. Now, watch, watch it here. Now, here's a secret that's revealed. The invited guests are also the bride. Isn't that something? The invited guest. You get to the third invitation. We get invited to the wedding. And then we find out when we get to the wedding, not only are we the guests, we're the bride. Pretty good, isn't it? You know, at, at a lot of... Uh, Weddings, he tried to sneak the bride in where nobody can see her. God snuck us in. <laughs> Didn't nobody know it was us? Do you get it? Now, see, God's pretty good at secrets. He'll keep one, unlike us. God knows how to keep one, but He also knows how to maneuver around the enemy. We need to point out when God maneuvers around the enemy, you're like, duh. Uh, you didn't know the enemy was quite that dumb, did you? Well, it's maybe not. It might be that God's that smart. So the invited guests are also the bride. So all of a sudden, we show up at the at, the, at this wedding and we find out that now the, here's the selection of the bride. This is important. Okay, we've been invited to the, uh, and the guest is also the bride. But we've been, but there's a selection in the third invitation. And when the king came in to see the guest. He saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. You see that one? Had on not a wedding garment. And, and he saith unto him, Friend, how came thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said he to the king, to the servants. Now, in, in that traditional wedding, usually uh, the, the groom would supply you wedding garments to come in, and give you clean cloak that everybody came in. They had on a, a cloak that was clean for the wedding. And so here we see that there's some showing up, but they did not have on that wedding garment given to them, issued uh, by the groom. And we know as, uh, that we are to put on Christ, right? We're to put on Christ. He's our covering for us to be at this wedding. That's what turns you in from, in, from a guest to being a bride. It's your garment that you have covering you. And he said, it was speechless. Then said he to the king, to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. So here we see that we're all in here together today. We've all been invited guests by this third invitation to be the bride of Christ. What determines if we're the bride of Christ is if we have received this cloak or this wedding garment is is, is if we have put on Christ. There is a And part of the transformation process in all of us, part of the transformation process is when we uh, make a distinction in our own hearts that we really want to follow, we're really going to follow Christ. If you've got the idea, I want just enough of Christ to get by, you're not fully covered. I hope you can hear me. If you just want just enough of Jesus to get by, Or if we sin and we kind of look up and say, did I get by with that one? Right? And then we can sin some more and we look, did I, oh, I got by with that one. You might want to check and see if you got a wedding garment on or not. Because something happens when we got the get by attitude and not the remorseful I'm sorry attitude. That's the difference of having on the garment or not. If you think I can get by with it, you don't have on the garment. If we sin and we feel bad for it, then you probably do. Amen? Because part of that garment is the Holy Spirit of the living God. Now, now this is Matthew 22 that I've been teaching you. Matthew 22. Three invitations. The marriage. Now, that Matthew 22 is really good. But I wonder what happened in Matthew 21. Now, I don't know how the new math is, but when I went to school, twenty one came before twenty two, right? And so something happened before twenty two. It was Matthew twenty one. Now, Matthew twenty one was day one, or, uh, of, of this week, of be, before of the resurrection of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. So, I've been teaching you Matthew twenty two but I want you to put it in context of when it was written. Today we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was day one. Palm Sunday. This parable of Matthew 22 is written during the week of the crucifixion of Christ. This information of the third invitation was given right at the last moment. Are you with me? So, when we start seeing this parable that Jesus uh, spoke, and and He wrote it just a few days before His crucifixion, that gives us an an understanding, a little bit of something else is going on behind the scenes here. So, day one, uh, uh, it was uh, Palm Sunday. It was a Sunday. That's when Jesus, you know, wrote in. On a, on a camel, on a donkey, I mean, on a camel, on a donkey, uh, Palm Sunday. This was the Sunday before his death, which had been on a Friday. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead, telling them to look for a donkey and its unbroken colt. Then Jesus sat on the young donkey and slowly made his entry into Jerusalem, fulfilling the ancient prophecy of Zechariah 9, 9, which said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on on a colt, the fold of a donkey. Now, you see Jesus comes in, riding the donkey, Palm Sunday. They throw down these palm branches and leaves for Jesus to come in on. Now, if he had come in on a horse, when you ride in on a horse, it's considered a war horse, it's considered you're going for battle. When you ride on a donkey, you think of something that's gentle and you're coming in peace. So we see here that Jesus was coming in as the king of the Jews, but yet he was coming in peace was the idea. It just so happens just because Jesus was coming in peace that he wasn't received that way. So I want you to see day one of what the day that we celebrate today is what we call day one of this week uh, now, we can see here on day two, on Monday, Jesus clears the temple. Now, this is amazing to me. Um, day one, he comes in on a donkey. Day two, he goes to Jerusalem, he comes in and he cleans the temple. Well, he first came in, it looked like to me he was coming in peace. Well, something happened to Jesus on day two. He just, just and he went into the temple and he saw the money changers. He cleared, so day two, just keep it in your mind. Jesus cleared the temple four days before he was crucified. That's when that event took place. Four days before he was crucified. He cleared the temple. Do you get the idea of why they maybe didn't like him? (laughs) Right? Now, I'll even say this. Uh, well, look at it right here. The following morning, Jesus returned uh, with His disciples to Jerusalem. When Jesus arrived at the temple, He found the courts full of corrupt money changers. That's what He saw in, in, in the temple. He being over uh, turning their tables and clearing the temple, saying the Scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. That, that Scripture right there is not politically correct anybody hear my voice? He offended somebody. He offended him so much and nailed him to a tree that Friday. Jesus comes in on the donkey. day two he's saying things that are not politically correct. He makes some angry, others are bewildered at what he is saying but nonetheless he turned the tables over. He made a scene on day two. Now, on day three is on a Tuesday, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. And as he's walking there, he cursed a fig tree because it had no fruit. So he he leaves, he leaves and, and on a Tuesday, and he goes to the Mount of Olives. All right. Comes in on a donkey. Next day he comes in, goes to the temple, overturns the tables. And then on that Tuesday, he goes to the Mount of Olives. On the way to there, he curses a fig tree. Now, this is where this parable of Matthew twenty-two takes place. Can you see that? It was probably on Tuesday that he gives this parable of the marriage. There again, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's four days. Uh, four days before Good Friday. So Jesus gives this, and he and he tells it. He says that he's he's given these invitations through John the Baptist and through himself. You see how that is the first invitation? John the Baptist and Jesus gave this invitation. Jesus said, no, it's rejected. But Jesus, being as prophetic as, as he is, he even told of the second rejection, and he even told what God was going to do about it. He was going to go to the whole world again, because the nation Israel wouldn't cooperate with him. He said he would just go to the whole world. But I want you to see, this is a big deal, where Matthew 22 was probably written on the on this uh, third day, which was a Tuesday. He wrote this parable that I've been teaching you. Very important. Now, on day three, on Tuesday, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives there, and later that afternoon, while he was there, now this is Matthew 24 and 25. Later that afternoon, Jesus left the city and went with His disciples to the Mount of Olives. Now, if you got your Bibles, turn with me right quickly uh, to Matthew 24. you got your Bibles, if you don't, use your cell phone uh, because we're going to read here. I didn't put all this Scripture on the on screen. You'll have to look at your Bibles. And in, in uh, Matthew 24. Now, in Matthew 24... As he went with his disciples into the Mount of Olives, he came in on a donkey. Uh, next day, he turned the tables over. Uh, next day, he goes to the Mount of Olives. And up here, he gives what's called a, his Olivet Discourse. I, might, uh, I don't remember if I got a note on that. Yeah, I do. Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse, which is an elaborate prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the age and his second coming. So here we see on day three, on a Tuesday, that this is called the Olivet Discourse. Here Jesus gives all of this information, an elaborate amount of of information on how Jerusalem's going to be destroyed and what's going to happen at the end of the age. And then it's here that He speaks about His uh, second coming. Now there again, this is four days before He's crucified. So you can see why Jesus was being pressured and pushed a little bit to give His information. He didn't have so much time to give it. So if you want to know some of the last information that he gave about this, it's it's in Matthew 24. Now, if you look at 24 verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See you all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be torn, thrown down. Verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us. You see that? He said, tell us. When shall these things be? Tell us. When shall these things be? And then he says, what shall? First thing I said is tell us. Next thing they say is what shall be the sign of thy coming? And then they say, the third one is, and the end of the world or the end of the age. So they're up there and then they ask him these three questions. And he goes on to explain and give, if you want to know the answer to these you know, three questions, uh, on what he said on Tuesday, and then you go and you read chapter 24 and, and uh, 25. If you go over in 24, then verse 10, let's just, I'll pick out a few verses. I'll just randomly pick them out. Um, in verse 10 of 24, he says, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. You see that? Now, You've got you, somebody's got to to agree with me here. We are living in a day that what rules the political correctness is is who's offended or not. That, that's what this whole movement is. The spiritual movement is over. Is over this verse right here, and uh, this verse, this political movement, this uh, worldwide progression of sin if you will is trying to take a, a what's uh, we're trying to build laws and rules uh, around uh, if you're not offended now my trouble is every rule that they're creating not to offend somebody offends me so it appears I'm not in the equation right so so we see we've got all of these offenses now now look at it with that in mind verse 10 and then shall many be offended now, it's a progression. What happens after you're offended and shall betray one another? You see that? So what happens is first is an offense, and then you start betraying one another. And then there's a third step. Then you'll hate one another. So if you want to know the prevailing spirit over the planet this day is the spirit of offense. Uh, fake news is created out of offense. Somebody's offended, so therefore they report what they think the real truth is. That's what creates, what creates fake news is this verse. It's a spirit of offense. And so this person's offended, and I'm going to stand up for this one. That one's offended, and I'm going to stand up for this one. And, and so what happens with the spirit of offense, it tries to grab everyone's loyalty. Can you hear me? The spirit of offense is looking for those that will be loyal to the offense. And so as Christians, if we are pulled into any directions to be loyal to an offense, we're being sucked into the trap. As Christians, as followers of God, we just declare the will of God. And that's it. We declare the will of God. So we see there's a progression, offended, betrayal, then hatred. Then once you do that, it can turn you into a false prophet, according to verse 11. Then many false prophets shall rise and shall do what? Deceive many. And because iniquity shall abide, the love of many shall do what? It'll it'll wax cold. So this is a progression. You say, well, Alan, if you're sitting there today and you say, well, Alan, that's not about me. That's not going to touch me. If if that's what you think, it's probably already touching you. And then the very fact that I said that, if that offended you, I disproved it. Right? So... We've got to understand something. This spirit of offense is, is huge. It's the biggie. And in other words, we're trying to make everything now today okay. Why? So nobody's offended. I, I don't know where it's written that nobody will be offended because my Bible tells me that there'll be many offenses. And the Word of God offends me, and I hope it offends you, and offends us to a point that we repent. And the the, the anger and the offense, when we first feel it, it's supposed to be an indicator to us of, of of we're dumb. We're just dumb to get to get offended. We've had a we've had a situation that's uh, it's remarkable to me. That I'll not call any names. But we had a situation on TV at a big meeting where people celebrate how wonderful people are. One particular person got offended and slapped another one. And a lot of people said, "Well." Now, look at that. Now, when I was sitting there, that verse right here came to me. He was offended. And here we got the academy is, is bringing a judgment against the guy who did it because it was a show of violence in which 90% of every movie that it produces is about violence and killing people. Can somebody hear what I'm saying? Is, is there something... Am I losing a marble somewhere <laughs> or is it just me? I'm like, so so here you're promoting this and all of your films and giving awards for who killed the most people and who did the best job at acting it out. And then when when something hits your stage and all of a sudden you're offended and all, you're going to bring the whole world down on this guy. But for the content that you export. It's just, it's just insane to me. And how Christians are even picking sides with their for this guy or against this guy. And I'm like, well, hopefully you think the whole mess is a mess. Hopefully. Somebody thinks the whole mess is a mess. So you're seeing this thing of offense. And so I'm just using that as an example. Now you've got everybody that watches movie, the movies, now they're polarized. Now they, they, they're starting to hate each other. It's, it's just divisions. my point. And that was one that's worldwide. You know what I'm saying? You've heard, you you just heard it said the shot heard around the world, and that was what they're saying. It's a slap that was heard around the world. And when I heard that, I thought that is so true. Of how the spirit of offense is so rampant. And, And I hope as prophetic people, you can see that situation as a sign, as a signal to us of what's going on. We want to personalize it to an individual, no doubt. But still, yet, there's a bigger problem that's going on. Um, now, let's look at it in verse 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great uh, signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth, and behold, he is in the secret chamber, and believe it not. Now, we're going to go to verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also what? The coming of the Son of Man be. So here we see that Jesus now is speaking about, Jesus is speaking now about His second coming. Now, you remember the prophecy in Joel? Does everybody remember that? Acts chapter 2. Would you turn in your Bibles there right quickly? And I want to show you where the, this prophecy of Joel, and this is very important um, uh, in this second invitation. I don't hear many Bibles turning. I hope you are looking at it. Up. There you go. I heard it that time. Uh, in Joel chapter 2. Now, there's a prophecy. Now, we're uh, hold, hold, hold Matthew here. And we're going to Joel here. Now, I've taught you in times past of how, um, uh, how that we're in this prophecy of Joel. Joel, Acts, uh, Joel is in Acts chapter 2, and it says, um, verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Verse 15, For these are not drunken, as ye suppose being in his breath, the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And, and everyone in this room should, I, I know that you understand this verse, but I want you to go with me here again. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, see that? saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, look at me. We know this is happening right now. It started here in Acts chapter 2. The prophecy of Joel speaks about the end times. We know that that first half of that prophecy is in effect now. But I submit to you verses 19, 20, and 21 have not happened. Look at verse 19. And I shall show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before that great notable day of the Lord come. You see that? All right, 19, 20 haven't happened yet. So... We're in the middle of this prophecy of Joel. Now, go back now to uh, Matthew uh, 24, uh, the Olivet Discourse, and 27. Look at uh, uh, 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You see that? That's what the prophecy of Joel is talking about. Verse 28, for wheresoever the carcass is there, will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the what? sun be dark and the moon shall be given unto her light. The stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. All right, that's the last half of the prophecy of Joel. Jesus quotes the last half of the prophecy of Joel. Why? Because it hasn't happened yet. That part hasn't happened. But the reason he referenced that part, the very fact that he didn't put the previous part, is proof that the second coming of Christ precedes that. In other words, that's at the end of the tribulation. That's just what's going to be happening at the end of the tribulation period. And I submit to you, that part hasn't happened yet. So we find now, that Jesus was bringing testimony to it, he he was speaking in secret somewhat because the only way you could see it is now, looking back on it. So then he goes on, he talks about his return uh, in verses twenty-seven uh, uh, and twenty-eight. Uh, It says in verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with great uh, glory. And he ascends uh, with his uh, angels. Now, here's where he goes on into verse 36. You got your Bibles? Look at verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days they were before the flood, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So the verse that we're making this whole teaching off of comes, it's basically you can see that it's coming out of uh, chapter 24, is speaking about Right before Jesus' crucifixion, which was happening here, you can see on day three, this conversation was taking place that you just read. Now let me move on. i got just a few minutes. This Tuesday was also the day that Judas Iscariot uh, negotiated with the Sanhedrin, the rabbinical court of ancient Israel, to betray Jesus. This was probably on this Tuesday as they were in the Mount of Olives. And there's scripture there. You can read it. Just go on over in Matthew and read it there. It's in 25. And you can see this is where uh, Judas made this deal uh, about the betrayal. So that happened probably uh, on day three or Tuesday. Now, another thing that happened uh, on uh, day three, after a tiring day of confrontations, of course, and warnings, which we've read about, about the future... Jesus and the disciples returned to Bethany to stay, to stay the night. So this is day three. They return back to Bethany here. Now, on Wednesday, Wednesday, here we see after two days in Jerusalem, Jesus and His disciples spent the day resting in Bethany, anticipating the Passover. So here we say this is Wednesday. They were there in Bethany uh, it's probably where Jesus got an anointing there that happened. I don't know, think I've got it in my notes. But you there again, if you just read uh, uh, 24 and 25, you'll see what happened on the day that they rested. Now, all of this is happening in, an, in an, uh, a packed week. So this week that we're celebrating right now, the days being the first day Palm Sunday, I, my hope is that after this little bit of this teaching, that you'll understand Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was Passover, is coming Thursday. Um, so, but on Wednesday they rested, probably anticipating the, uh, the, the great Passover that's on 30, Thursday. But remember, he gave the parable of the marriage on Tuesday. And he was talking about the rejection of the first and second invitation and the third invitation. Now, Jesus, yeah, I did have, Jesus was anointed by Mary, Bethany. This is Matthew 26, uh, 6 through 13. This probably happened on that uh, Wednesday. And we see that Judas Iscariot sells the Lord uh, in Matthew 26, 14 and 16 are the verses uh, where Judas betrays the Lord and actually uh, sells him for the silver. Now, they start on the preparation of the Passover. Now, this is Thursday. Thursday's Passover. Everybody got it. Thursday is the Passover. And so so the Passover meal and the Last Supper is the same meal. They they celebrated the Passover, but but then He instituted uh, the Last Supper, it's called. We call it the Last Supper. The Last Supper actually happened on the same day uh, as Passover. So they they had a preparation for the Passover. Jesus sent the disciples out, and that's uh, Matthew 26. Uh, we can see that. Uh, well, if you're in your Bibles, just turn there right quickly. Matthew 26. I don't have but a few moments. In Matthew 26, uh, you can see in verse 20 there. Uh, uh, and now, when the evening was coming, he sat down with the twelve. I'm not. I'm just not going to have time to read them all. If you want the scriptures, they're there. He sent them out to prepare. Matthew 26:17. Then, and, and, and move up into verse 20. They had the last Passover. Uh, Now, in in verses 26 through 29, uh, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. So the communion that we take today, uh, Jesus made it into this, He institutes this as as one of our uh, things as we do in the church today. This was done at at the Lord's Supper, and He said, Take my body and drink my blood. Later, Jesus and the disciples left the upper room and went to the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed to God the Father. So the Passover, they had the Passover meal. It was called the Last Supper. And it was there that Jesus created this covenant, that this new covenant that we now experience, uh, which we call uh, the communion. But those were all happened on, on Thursday. Now, there was a reason they didn't kill Jesus on Thursday. It's because it was a holy day and they figured everybody would pitch a fit. So they moved it on out to Friday because, they, because Passover was on that Thursday. So they pushed it out. Uh, then uh, to Friday. On Thursday was a Passover uh, and the Last Supper. Uh, there, Peter, uh, Jesus also tells of Peter's denial. Uh, that's in Matthew 26. Jesus' uh, agony in, in the garden where they went to, back to the garden. This is where Jesus uh, says that he prays. and uh, One of the writers said that he prayed. It looked like he had sweats of blood. He prayed, so this is where he asked, the, asked God the Father to take this cup away from him. Remember that, and um, so that was his agony. Agony that we call it in the in the garden. Also, we had this situation uh, there that night uh, that the disciples went to sleep. <laughs> you remember that. Here we are uh, on Thursday, Passover, the Last Supper. I guess they had their bellies full or something, but they all went back that night. And uh, as Jesus is out there praying by himself, the disciples over there, and it says they all went to sleep. Um, And then what happened also that night is when uh, Jesus Judas came over to Jesus, he gave him a kiss, he betrayed him, and then they uh, got Jesus, and they took him away. They actually took him back to one of the high priest's uh, house uh, where they made all these accusations uh, against him. Now, day six, you have the trial, the crucifixion, death, and burial, what we call Good Friday. That was on uh, day six. You can see that in Matthew 27 and verses uh, 1 through 66. So have the trial, crucifixion, death, and burial. Uh, All of this happened. uh, And it's hard to believe this was all pushed up. I mean, this is on the Passover was Thursday. He was betrayed Thursday night. Uh, He has a trial and he's hung on the cross Friday. I mean, you talk about speedy judgment. They really got to it, didn't they? He he was just... (laughs) I mean, in less than 24 hours from the time of Judas' kiss, um, we see that Jesus hung on a cross. So when we start understanding this week, that's what I'm wanting to impress you, to put an impression upon you, is that you've got, you got eight days here. That to the Christian faith, it is, is, means everything. It's everything to us. This is a, a holy week, if you will, of what happened in the life of Christ and what happened that affect our life so much. So this happened on day six. Now, Good Friday is the most uh, difficult day of what's called Passion Week. Uh, how many of you saw the, the Passion of the Christ, the movie? A lot of it, a lot of you saw that. Just an incredible, hard to take, to be honest with you. Uh, personally, I just couldn't take it in one setting. <laughs> you know, I had to watch it in it just was. It was just, it was incredible. But anyway, this Good Friday was that difficult day uh, of the the week. Christ's journey turned treacherous and painful in these final hours leading to his death. Now, according to Scripture, Judas Iscariot, the disciple who had betrayed Jesus, was overcome with grief and hanged himself early Friday morning. So it it appears that Judas. Now you've got to understand, Satan entered Judas Iscariot. That's what the Bible says. And it caused him to betray Christ. Do you think that Satan can invade our thinking and who we are? The answer is yes. He, he can invade our thinking. He can cause us to start thinking things we shouldn't be thinking. Uh, we can be offended and, and, and have hatred in our heart. That is an entrance way for Satan himself. When we have hatred and unforgiveness uh, in our lives. And so we see, we, we say, well, boy, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not Judas, but we don't recognize the Judas in us. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and the Holy Ghost wants us to understand there's a little of Judas in all of us. And, and we need to be careful when we're pointing a finger at somebody else. And there again, if I just offended you, then I rest my case. So after multiple unlawful trials, Jesus was sentenced to death there again by crucifixion. On day 6... Again, it was a trial and a barrel. Before Christ was led away, soldiers spit on him, tormented him, mocked him, pierced him with a crown of thorns. Then Jesus carried his own cross to Calvary, where again he was mocked and insulted as, as Roman soldiers nailed him to the wooden cross. Now, can you imagine what happened that week? He came in on a donkey. He went out on a wooden cross. Now, the only thing I can tell you is when we see how quickly this happened to Christ, we start getting the feeling and understanding of how demonic what was happening uh, was going on. It just Have you ever had things you say, this just doesn't make sense? Uh, Russia invades Ukraine. I've heard it a thousand times. This just doesn't make sense. Well, if you're using human reasoning, it's of a human flesh. If it really doesn't make sense, it's of the, uh, demonic form because you can't use human reasoning to get your answer. So here, uh, this is what happened. So Jesus' first words were, look at this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That was His first words. Father, forgive them. Jesus' first words uh, on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Now we see, then about the ninth hour, Jesus breathed His last breath and died. By 6 p.m. Friday evening... Nicodemus, Joseph, Arimathea, and Jesus uh, took Jesus' body down from the cross and laid it in a tomb. So you can can see by 3 p.m. that afternoon, Jesus was dead. Came in on a donkey on Sunday. He turned over the tables on Monday. They didn't like it. That's not just a light story about money changers, by the way. He went in the temple, and when he did that, it really ticked some people off. They were going after Him. And so you see all of this progression of what happened in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the Passover. Had the last Passover meal. and Then by Friday evening, uh, Jesus, we were taking Him. he He had already died, taking Him off the cross. Now, day seven. Saturday, He was in a tomb. Now, we know that He was in the tomb on Saturday. Jesus' body lay in His tomb where it was guarded by Roman soldiers throughout the day on Saturday, which was uh, the Sabbath. While his physical body lay in the tomb, Jesus Christ paid this penalty for sin by offering the perfect spotless sacrifice. We also know probably on Saturday that it says that he descended into into Hades. Uh, Hades, hell uh, was in two parts. You had paradise on one side and you had a gulf. It's in Luke. And then you had Hades on the other side. Paradise is where the saints went uh, pre cross um uh, that's the reason David said, uh, Lord, leave not my soul in hell. You Remember that verse? Well, what he's talking about, he's in the paradise side of hell. That's where the believers were stored, if you will. And then and people who will spend eternity in hell was in, on, in Hades, but they were both in the lower parts of the earth. So on that Saturday, Jesus goes down into the earth, it says, lower parts of the earth, and he leads captivity uh, captive right he he takes those that are in captivity there which I mean you got you got all of the, the old testament saints that's where they were so the, for that day Jesus goes down there and, and and preaches to them i guess you could say and says okay hey i'm here i'm the one you were looking for uh, i just did my deal on the planet and grab hold of i mean we're going to, to the heavenly places so he takes paradise and you don't know where paradise is today it's in heaven now i'm also going to throw this in people have trouble with the rapture that's the first one excluding Enoch, that that was a rapture, if you will, because Jesus gathered them up and took them up there. That's, that's what happened on, on that Saturday. Now, we already know that Jesus had overcome death. He, he, he raised Lazarus, right? We already know He had the mojo to do it, right? I mean, we, all, we already knew He could. And so then, uh, but that's what happened on that Saturday, he, had the, he raptured the Old Testament saints. He took paradise with Him up into heaven. He conquered death, both spiritually and physically, securing eternal salvation. Day 8, Resurrection Sunday. That's what we're going to be doing next Sunday. We'll be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Early Sunday morning, several women went to the tomb and discovered that the large stone cover in the entrance had been rolled away, and an angel announced, says this in Matthew 28, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which is crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, come and see the place where the Lord laid. Isn't that amazing? Now, as in the days of Noah, and I've got up there, it's all about the ark. As in the days of Noah, they all got in the ark that saved them from that wrath of God. For us today as believers... It's all about the ark. The ark is Jesus Christ Himself. That we can be saved. Jesus died. This week, the reason I want to do a quick thing of this week, I, I was hoping to, to to bring it to your remembrance, the importance of this week we're getting ready to live. And I would hope that you'd consider, uh, this is Palm Sunday. Jesus came in on the donkey. I w- I'd love for you to consider Monday. Overturn the tables. I'd love you to consider... Uh, this next week, what actually took place in the life of Jesus Christ, and we get to, to, to the Passover on Thursday. Remember, Friday, he's hung on a, on a cross. Saturday, he led the captive, He took him up to heaven. And then Sunday, next Sunday, we rejoice. We so rejoice because he is risen today. That's the idea of what about as in the days of Noah? So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So I hope that you'll consider this, what I've taught you this morning. I hope you put into context Matthew, the parable of Matthew 22 that we've been studying. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love You and we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word, O God. I ask and pray, O God, if there's anything that I've said that's not of You, that it'd fall to the ground. But if I've said anything, O God, that's of You and that's Your Spirit, ask and pray that it be quickened to us. Let us think about this week. Let us think about this next, next this week, oh God, what actually happened. What actually happened in this energy, this power-packed week from Christ riding in on a donkey to His resurrection. Resurrection Sunday. Let us worship You today, oh God. Put into our hearts an attitude of worship that you might be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.